0: publichealth.indiana.edu.
1: Hello and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Sarah Whitmire. Bob Zaltzberg will be back next week. Joe Renz, my co-host today. Today we're talking about safety and civility in downtown Bloomington. You can join the conversation or ask questions at 812-855-0811. You can also tweet at Noon Edition. Our guests today are Beverly Callender-Anderson. She's the Director of Community and Family Resources Department for the City of Bloomington. Forrest Gilmore, he's the Executive Director of the Shalom Community Center. Mike Decoff, he's the Police Chief with the Bloomington Police Department. And Greg Rego, he's the Co-Owner of Nick's English Hut. Thank you all for being here today. So, with the exception of Greg, who is also involved in a lot of these initiatives, I know here um, you were all part of the Safety, Civility, and Justice Task Force, which was formed last year in response to complaints about inappropriate behavior downtown. So, where are we a year later? And Beverly, you want to you want to
2: start there? Sure. The um, So the Safety, Civility, and Justice Initiative was announced in August of 2017, and there were some uh, a few things that happened at the inception of the initiative, like some cameras going up around town and, um, oh, gosh, what else? Uh, the cameras. Increased. Increased enforcement. Patrols. Patrols, yeah, yeah foot patrols. Um, the police worked with the parking enforcement folks and got them trained in de-escalation. So if they were on the streets and, and there were there was a fight or something, they could at least de-escalate that. Um, but, and then we went through a process that the Community Justice and Mediation Center put together where it was a large community conversation to talk about what were the perceptions, what were the realities of downtown, and what we needed to do to help people feel more safe and to do that in a way that didn't... Um, really marginalize people, but to do it in a very just way. And so that's why we called it Safety, Civility, and Justice. Um, and out of that, we got a report and some recommendations. And we talked to social service workers and patrons and people who were experiencing homelessness or had participated in panhandling. We talked um, to uh, patrons and advocates. So, so it was a large conversation. We talked to about, I think, about 220 people uh... at the time so following that the safety civility and justice task force was formed and that task force started to meet in february they met every two weeks from february to june and uh... about midway through the process they gave some interim recommendations um, including increasing again increasing patrols along kirkwood making an official presence along kirkwood whether that was police or parking enforcement or parks and recreation staff or We talked about an ambassador program, but just having some official presence on Kirkwood. Um, And that was something that happened. Um, uh, The police department actually worked with IU to hire some of their part-time officers. Um, We wanted to make sure that enforcement was done um, justly across the board, so whether it was people who were experiencing homelessness or panhandling or as you mentioned earlier Sarah drunk college students or you know wh- whoever was breaking the law would it would be um, enforced like I said justly across the board uh, we increase programming in People's Park um, so there um, there's a Tuesday parks, music series and and so we sort of changed the time and then we allowed more people to do programming in the park waiving some of the fees that uh, normally happened in the park um, and then we looked at sanitation needs so that was those were some of the initial midterm recommendations and then the committee continued to meet and turned in their final recommendations in June to the mayor okay. so you, um,
1: you all bring a, a very different perspective to all of this so i really kind of want to pose the same question to each of you just explaining where in your opinion we were a year ago and by comparison have things improved have they gotten worse since then so chief
3: so for the last three or four summers we've had a a real increase in problems on kirkwood um, with behavior um, alcohol illegal drugs fighting things like that so um We have done the foot patrols for a couple of years now on Kirkwood. This summer, we have intensified that. We actually hired some part-time IU police officers to work for us. So that gave us about an additional 100 hours of patrol time um, a week on Kirkwood. Um, And they worked in coordination with our downtown resource officers and, and other officers who were on uh, patrol downtown. Um, the situation, I believe, this summer is is better than it has been. We um, addressed a lot of the bad behaviors that were occurring in the park. Um, you know that moved some of the problems um, down f- further west on Kirkwood. Um, we addressed some of the drug issues, some of the drug dealing, um, by making some some arrests um, and. Um, um, having those people that were kind of just hanging out in certain areas of Kirkwood, we moved them along uh, due to the drug dealing. Um, so I, I, I think it's better. Um, you know, you might ask some. You might ask Greg if he thinks it's better since he's down there um, with his business. But um, you know, we we meet monthly with the uh, a lot of the business owners on Kirkwood. Um, we had one of those meetings yesterday. Um, they indicate things are better. There's still issues that we're addressing, but um, you know this is probably more of an addictions issue than really a homelessness issue. Um, there, you know, we, there, we've been in the headlines for a couple of weeks about uh, the number of overdoses that we're having, and and that's pretty unprecedented. That the numbers that we've had um, over any time that I can remember in my 30 years with the police department. Um, so it's it's uh, it really is an addiction thing. It's it's a lot of spice, which spice is a complicated um, drug when it comes to the to the the legal system because sometimes it's not illegal. There's bad substances in it that cause people to overdose, but not all of those substances are illegal. So that poses problems for enforcement. Um, but you know, first responders are still responding to the overdoses and. Um, you know, we, we still have those daily. Um, the number of overdoses we have just kind of fluctuates um, every day as to if it's a high number or a low number.
1: Forrest, do you want to chime in next? Sure. I'll just um,
4: add an echo. Um, one of the things we know is that homelessness in our community has, uh, while it continues to remain a significant problem, has more or less been steady over the last three years. So. So we're not seeing some kind of uh, massive increase in homelessness that uh, is causing or leading to some of these issues that we're seeing, which makes uh, sense when we talk about the addiction issues that we're seeing. I think that's really to echo what the chief was saying. We're really seeing an, an uptick in in the toxicity that we're seeing out there. In particular, SPICE has really increased in its toxicity and uh, is causing some of these overdoses and severe reactions we're seeing, as well as... Heroin has been uh, and opioids have been uh, become a major issue, especially after I would say the last two years or so. And and those two things, the the um, heroin and spice, seem to be uh, among our greatest challenges right now.
1: Okay, and uh, you, Mike? How about your business? I'm sorry, I called you Mike, Greg.
5: Greg, that's fine. <laughs> um, the, the business is fine. The business isn't going anywhere. This is our 90th year. We don't plan on moving out of the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> With the help of everybody here on this panel and a lot of people, uh, other business owners on Kirkwood Avenue in downtown and other members of the community are really trying to support um, the businesses on Kirkwood and downtown businesses. Um, to go along with, with what Chief Decoff and Beverly uh, said and with Forrest, a lot of it is addiction problems. We see it every day. It's in my front porch and, back, and front door and back door. Um, I think the problem really st- – Kirkwood – Especially People's Park has always been a quirky place where people have gathered, play hacky sack, somebody with nose rings, earrings, purple hair, who cares? No we really cared about that. Because I think that adds to the vibrancy and diversity of Bloomington. But I can kinda of put my finger to kind of pinpoint when things started changing when we had Occupy Bloomington four or five years ago or whatever it was. Um that movement had its its good sides and its bad sides. It definitely uh, had a statement to make. But when People's Park became an encampment, it was no longer public space. And then once the the protesters kind of broke up, there's a lot of people started hanging around anyway. They figured, hey, this is a great place to hang out in Bloomington. The police are nice. I know some people out there might not, might not uh, believe what I'm <laughs> saying, because we actually do have a fantastic police force. Um, there are a lot of things available. You can panhandle. We've got a major university just down the street, one of the most beautiful campuses in the United States and the world. Um, people are very caring, forgiving, uh, very diverse in this community, and so, some uh, people kind of had it made here. And then the addictions kind of came along. But there's always been addictions in Bloomington. And I think it really blew up after that. And I mean. Uh, Chief dekoff can probably give you more detail about this, but then the spice comes along and the heroin comes along, and uh, I agree with them. I mean, homelessness is an issue, but the issue we're talking about does not have to do with with homelessness. It has to do with addictions, mental health issues. Our state does not have facilities to take care of people that need the mental that need men, uh, mental help. Um, we're trying to get more. Um, more services in bloomton we already have quite a few but i think we're adding another detox center some more rehab things like that to help these people but the issue is centered around i think addiction and 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 mental health and so yes things are better now but it's kind of cyclical and like i said the, the police department and the mayor's office has really helped in this we want to make sure people feel safe in the downtown area in kirkwood that's the main thing not just my patrons or my employees but also people on the street because of a lot of the violent behavior the street people that are addicted have mental health issues prey on some of the other people who have those same addictions and those same mental health issues and it, it, the violence is not just against people in Bloomington but people who are on the street too
1: and I know we got a Facebook comment from Judith who was talking about being a nanny and having several children and not feeling safe to come downtown. Chief, will let you respond to that? Well,
3: you know, it's like it's like any place you go, you have to use common sense um, when you go out and and you know be aware of your surroundings. But Bloomington is is still a very safe place. There there are. Um, um, a lot of issues with people that have mental health problems um, and they they hang out downtown um, but uh, most of those people are are, uh, are harmless they just they have their issues and and um, you know there's just not a lot of services that um, we can get people into um, the you know that that is one of the things that, the mayor was was very adamant about is that we enforce the law and that we deal with the bad behaviors, which are the, uh, which are alcohol, the public, the drinking in public, um, the intoxication, the drug use, the dealing, and the fighting. And that is something that um, we have have focused on this summer particularly um, to try to improve the situation and people's sense of safety downtown. Um, you know, we will continue that. School's going to be starting back up, so we'll have an influx of lots of younger people who like to drink. Um, you know, we we not only get complaints about, um, you know, who you might perceive someone to be homeless who's drunk or has a mental health issue, but we get complaints on college students who are who, who are also exhibiting bad behavior downtown. So, um, you know, it's a it's a challenging task with the with the limited resources that we have, but. Um, we we are going to continue to address the behavior um, that is that is downtown so that everyone does feel safe. Sarah, let me go ahead and get
6: <clears throat> excuse me, the numbers really quick and and then we'll we'll go to the phones 812-855-0811 toll free 1-877-285-9348. We're also Live tweeting at Noon Edition. Uh, Chief, though, a quick question on laws. You, of course, went through the most obvious ones, drinking, fighting, uh, drug use. Are there any laws in terms of the, you know, uh, camping, uh, how long you can stay at a park? Uh, you know, loitering, sure. things like that.
3: Yeah, so so the the parks have rules that are that we enforce, and so like they have hours of operation, so they close at I believe it's 11 p.m. every night, and so um, we don't allow people to sleep in the parks because there's hours and we enforce those. Um, the uh, panhandling laws are quite specific, so it's not illegal to panhandle; it's illegal to aggressively panhandle, and there are there are um, parts of the law that deal with how close you can be to someone that's at an ATM and stuff like that. Um, the uh, uh, the encampments, um, those get to be a little d- difficult because um, it's a public space, <clears throat> so it's not illegal to gather in that public space, but if they're on sidewalks you have to maintain a clear path for people to be able to get through. And so that is something that we monitor and look for. Um, the uh, uh, the issues that we had a couple weeks ago, when we when we kind of cleared out some of those encampments, had to do with um, they were um, we we had de- um, decided that they were public nuisances because of the drug dealing and drug use that was going on, and so that's why we cleared those. That's not unlike if we show up at um, you know a bar fight and there's you know fifty people hanging out, we will clear everyone out of there so that we we address the problem and we don't have to deal with it again. Um, so that's that's the tact we took with the with some of the encampments um you know some of those one of the one of the places that we cleared out um you know we had heard from several of the people there that the the one of the people there was running some kind of Craigslist business and and when we said everybody's got to leave they made a phone call and a pickup truck came and picked up all their belongings and they left so again it's not it, it's a it's a complicated issue because a lot of people think that all of these people are homeless and and they're not um you know, People's Park, what we saw was a situation where there were probably some homeless people there, but there were a lot of people that just went there just to have a good time and party. And so that was, again, we were addressing the behavior. Those people have gone elsewhere. We haven't seen them gather kind of anywhere else. Um, so um, that is our focus, is to make sure that we, we are addressing the bad behaviors um, so that people feel safe. Um, I think, you know, I think if you go downtown, I I looked on my phone because we have cameras down there and and there's not very many people hanging out in the park, but, you know, early on we were criticized that we were running people out of the park and we were not. Um, You know, we've held a couple of roll calls at the park and we had 20 police officers in people's park while we were having roll call and there were a couple people in the back that were sleeping. And I was asked, well, you know, you're running people out and I pointed to the people in the back and I said... Those people have not been approached by any officers. They're sleeping. They can do that because the park is open. Um, But uh, you know, I I ventured to say if you would ask them, that was probably the safest that they had felt sleeping outside because nobody was bothering them. So, um, again, it's it's it it it's a situation where we're trying to be very visible so that people do feel safe and that people who want to break the law by drinking and doing drugs and fighting, see us and realize that if they do that, there's going to be consequences.
1: Let's go now to Jacob, who has a question about policing. Go ahead, Jacob.
7: Hi. Uh, I like a lot of uh, what was just said about you're not trying to run people off in those things. And uh, I feel like a lot of uh, public misinformation is going around right now in Bloomington. And uh, people are pretty scared, uh, just in general. And uh, I don't know. It makes me very sad because this is my home and I've grown up here. And, uh, you know, I do feel like the police presence downtown can be pretty intimidating. You have 20 officers all standing there, you know. Maybe that's not your intention. But, you know, you have to look at how that might make people feel. Yeah, the people in the back sleeping, you know, maybe they're okay with it. But I don't know, you know. Some of those people maybe feel harassed at some point, and, you know, it's probably not police intention. It's probably not, like, the legal definition of harassment necessarily, you know? But I think, you know, people have to see how that can be intimidating. And then people move down further down the street. And I see people's Facebook comments like, oh, I'm trying to walk along on the sidewalk, and these people are in my way, and, oh, they're so disgusting, and this and that, you know? And half these people are just trying to exist, you know? And, yeah, some of them are out there trying to cause trouble, but it's it's not as simple as all that. And it's really, I don't know. It's People are getting upset and angry, and a lot of the misinformation is contributing to it. You know, I know Spice is a huge problem, but 15 people didn't overdose and die on Spice. But you read in the newspaper, oh, there were 10 overdoses. A lot of people don't even really know what that means. They think an overdose means, oh, a person died. Oh, 15 people are out there shooting up heroin and dying on the street, you know. I think, uh, you know, it's uh, really fanning the flames of things, and and that's pretty upsetting to me, and that's what I wanted to say. Thank you.
1: Thank you for the comment. Chief, any response? Well, I mean, the
3: caller touched on it. It is a very complicated issue. Um, You know, we've been fortunate that, to my knowledge, we— I'm still there, but that's all I have to say. Okay. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. So I'm not I'm not aware of any actual deaths that we have had from spice but it does put people in a pretty serious medical condition um, that um, you know they' most of them are, are taken to the hospital to be treated um, you know with regards to the intimidation um, you know I, I can't control how people feel about the police you know we have a lot of interaction with the community um, we do a lot of, of community outreach we've uh, started our downtown resource officer program um, years ago and changed the look of the officer so that um, uh, people didn't feel intimidated. But um, again, we were faced with a situation on Kirkwood where um, it was it was out of control. And so um, our, my experience has been when there's a, a large police presence, that tends to calm things down, and that's what we've done. So we, we had a couple of roll calls down there. Um, we've done that in other locations throughout the years. We had one, uh, we've done them at, at various parks. We've done them at Bryan Park. Um, we've done them at Crestmont. So it's the, that's a, that is something that we do, that um, they're open. We had we had people that were in the park that listened to what we were doing. And so, you know, again, it's it's not meant to be intimidating, but um, it's, it's meant to show that we are paying attention and that we're concerned and that we are going to
5: address the behaviors.
1: Did you want to add?
5: Uh, yeah, I think um, he has a viable issue. I mean, it's people have their own opinions about things, but then you have to look at the other uh, perspective when uh, there's people that want to come downtown who don't come downtown because they feel intimidated by things that are happening on the sidewalk or in People's Park. It's public space. Um, we touched this uh, subject quite a bit on the committees that we're on. If people have bad intent, they tend to this isn't true with everybody, but but they tend to be intimidated by the police officers because they're probably intending to do something that's not really legal. Um, that's why a lot of people have not come down to Kirkwood Avenue, especially local people, because they're aware of the issues either through the newspaper or Facebook or whatever uh, people long longtime Bloomington residents, and they feel they didn't feel safe. So for Jacob's opinion, there is opposite opinion too, which is very strong. Uh, they. Uh, people from Bloomington and people who visit Bloomington feel much safer if uh, they're unfortunately, there has to be police presence, but that's just the way it is. If people saw last year even several months ago what was going on in Kirkwood, it wasn't pleasant sometimes, especially once the sun went down, even during, when the sun was up. I mean, people were feeling very intimidated. And our police officers – I said this before – I don't find them intimidating. They're very nice people. It's not just because I'm a member of the community and I'm a business owner down here and they help protect our interests. They protect everybody's interests in Bloomington, even the people on the street. Like 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 uh, Chief Decoff said, I mean, they're there to protect the people on the street also because it is legal to sleep on a sidewalk as long as you give right away. Um, so for, for people out there that feel intimidated by the police, I, I think maybe they could think twice about it and actually look at, Look at it 360, look at everybody's opinion, and then you've got people that are visiting Indiana University from out of town, never been here before, and they see what goes on. Some of them, some of them have decided not to bring their their kids to IU because of certain behaviors and certain things happen on Kirkwood. And so,
1: this yeah. is a time where we should probably take a break because we're halfway through this show. Sure. But when we come back, we really need to get to drugs, mental health, social services, and we have a lot of questions on Twitter, so we'll be talking all about that. After the break, uh, we also don't have any calls on the line. So if, if you do have a question, 812-855-0811. We'll be right back.
6: This is new in addition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com and iu school of public health bloomington online at publichealth.indiana.edu WFIU News covers south central indiana and the state each day you can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org and you can pick up a digest of all the top stories it's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org.
1: Hello, welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Sarah Whitmire with co-host this week, Joe Wren. Today we're talking about safety, civility, and justice in downtown Bloomington. Our guests are Beverly Callender-Anderson from the city of Bloomington. She's the director of the Community and Family Resources Department. We also have Forrest Gilmore, who's the executive director of the Shalom Community Center. Mike Decoff, the chief of police with Bloomington Police Department. And Greg Grego, the co-owner of Nick's English Hut. I Wanna go straight to some questions we've gotten on social media. This one comes from Jennifer, and she asks, "What about declaring a space for a homeless camp? Um,
2: anything, Beverly? How, how do you address these sorts of things in the report?" Well, the report real, actually did not address um, anything like a homeless camp, and I'm not—I would have to check with our legal department to even see if that was something that. Would fall within, you know, city or state regulations, um, so we don't have any plans for that, or or and and the report itself didn't talk about that.
1: Okay. Um,
3: you know, can I yeah. can I add something about you know um, something that a little bit the earlier caller also mentioned, but you know, a lot of times the the people who are on the street are the victims of crimes, and we spend a lot of time. Um, Responding to calls to help the people who are living on the street because they're easy targets, um, and so um, you know that that's that is something that with our downtown resource officer program that we started a few years ago, they have a, a really good relationship with a lot of the people who live on the streets. They're tied into a lot of the social service agencies. Um, you know, there was $100,000 in grant money that we had that we allocate to, Shalom gets some of it, um, uh, Centerstone gets it, some other people get it. And so those are programs where we're, we're trying to reach out to, to people um, that are victims of crimes and that are experiencing homelessness to try to get them services to break that cycle. And so, um, you know, their earlier caller was talking about the intimidation factor. Um, and and you know, it it was talked about a little bit about both sides of it. But um, you know, we're there to protect everybody, and a lot of times, um, you know, more so than not, they are the victims of the crimes, and that we are trying to help them. And so, um, you know, I, I I get that people might feel intimidated when there are when there's a large police presence, but you know, police officers are part of the community. This is something that we're trying to um, make make livable for everyone
2: yeah. and oh, I'm sorry, I, but I also wanted to mention you know there are right now, I don't think we have a shortage of beds if there are people that needs beds uh, for us may be able to talk to that more, but between Wheeler Mission and a friend's place and some of the other places that have overnight shelter, um, there there are beds that people can have if if, if that's what they want to avail themselves to.
1: And Forrest, I mean, you're on the, you're on the front lines here, helping people who are suffering from homelessness. Do you think a camp is an option that that should be part of the conversation? Um,
4: well, I, I guess I want to say a couple of things. One one is I want to say that when when you're homeless, uh, the um, the whole world is your living room, or your bedroom, or your bathroom, or blah 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 blah, on and on and on. So there's lots of things that might happen in our home that we wouldn't want the world to see that often get exposed to the light of day um, because simply you're existing um, without a home. So that's, I think, really important to always take in context um, with some of the things that we're seeing around people who are without homes. I'll also add, and the chief knows this very well and he talks about this often, is that that what we're dealing with is not something we can police ourselves out of. We, there's no way that that um, that this is ultimately something we can solve through the police, and um, and a lot of that has to do with um, addiction itself and the challenges of addiction, and and which is an issue that is dealt with in our society as a criminal issue, but really is a public health issue, and so it puts the police in a very awkward position because they have to enforce laws that ultimately don't. Necessarily help people rec- deal with recovery and the core issues that they're dealing with. So that's 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 so important to remember is that is that we've got to take that to another level in terms of really looking at addiction, uh, mental health as well as Rags mentioned earlier. That, that that these are these are issues we need to deal with in a different way, in a more sufficient way as services. A camp's certainly a possibility. I think there's uh, opening there's there's options for that. I think. Um, I think the biggest challenge with the camp is, again, keeping it safe and making sure that people are uh, don't uh, become preyed upon in that environment. And, and that that would be the key thing to, to do in anything like that.
1: We have a – Justin is on the line, and he has a question for you, Forrest, about housing. Justin, go ahead.
7: Thank you. Uh, my question for Mr. Gilmore is if you could talk more about the Housing First program that uh, Shalom – has and whether that can be applied to the current situation and also a question for Ms. Callender-Anderson whether the city has any plans or support for a Housing First type of uh, response, something with a a low barrier of entry and and a hands-off approach to um, drug use of the people involved Um, given that, that that sort of approach tends to uh, to reduce costs and improve health and safety, both for the community and for the, the people involved. Thank you.
1: Okay. Forrest, go first.
4: Sure. Um, so we currently have a Housing First program called Crawford Homes. It, it has uh, 40 apartments in total and houses about 60 adults and children um, in uh, various circumstances. Uh, everyone who's in that program has a disability and has been homeless or had been homeless for a significant amount of, of time. It is a, a very effective program. We, amongst uh, its ability and what it does for, for the residents, it also has a huge and positive impact on the community. We saw, for example, in our first year analyzing and looking at our first- year residents as compared to the year before, that we saw a 65 percent drop in emergency room use and an 88 percent drop in incarcerations just in that first year. So it's, uh, it's extraordinarily impactful as well as beneficial to the community we know based on studies in other communities that generally it saves about twenty thousand dollars per person when you're uh, providing housing first services for um, someone who had been chron- chronically homeless so it's actually less expensive on the community as a whole to help mo- people move into houses uh, not not uh, to mention all the um benefits for the people themselves who, who move into that that situation we're also um uh, looking forward to the opening of Crawford 2, uh, which should open sometime this fall or early winter, and uh, that will provide another 43 apartments. So when all is said and done, we'll have somewhere in the range of 110 individuals that uh, that will be housed through the programs.
2: Okay, yeah. So the city is is looking at um, some diversity in housing options. We're not looking at starting a shelter. We do support. Uh, Shalom Crawford, um, some of the other uh, housing that happens in the city. So through our grants programs and um, some direct support, we do we support it in that way, uh, but not looking to open a, shelter, a city shelter. No.
4: And I'll just add that sometimes that's misunderstood: is that Housing First is is different from sheltering. Mm-hmm. Of course, Housing First is people living in their own homes and having their own homes, which is a has very different outcomes than than shelter by itself. Right.
1: Okay. 812-855-0811 is the number if you have questions for our panelists. We have a question from Nancy who is saying, what daytime services does Shalom provide and is there a need for restrooms or shower facilities? Folks can use those during the day.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So Shalom is open Monday through Friday from eight to four currently. We provide showers, laundry, um, two meals a day, Monday, uh, breakfast and lunch. Uh, storage. Uh, we also provide case management, housing support, employment support, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, healthcare support, all, all kinds of approaches to help people get off their feet as quickly as possible. We also have an overnight shelter shelter as well as several housing programs. Um, so uh, probably our biggest challenge, I think, right now is um, in terms of just the day shelter uh, aspect and the, and the things that she's talking about in terms of um, emergency services and such is uh, I think we see a lot of um, challenges on the weekends and in the evenings, and, and that's a time when we're not open. So people in some to some level are uh, dealing with uh, just being having no safe place to be, and, uh, and, and then that's one of the recommendations that came out of the report is to try and expand day sheltering hours into the weekends and evenings.
1: Okay. Randy from Bloomington has a question for Chief Deepkoff about petty crime downtown. Randy, go ahead.
7: Thank you. Um, yeah, whenever I read about addictions, I wonder where are they get the money. and I seem to notice more petty crimes such as smashing car windows and taking things. And I was just wondering if the uh, police, I mean I'm sure you track different types of crime and make reports. Do you see a connection? Is there in fact, an increase in that type of crime? You see the connection, and for instance, a Craigslist operation. That were you curious about where those goods came from, and also, do you do any monitoring of pawn shops?
5: So, yes. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you.
3: Yes. So we we do monitor pawn shops. Um, uh, we that we have software that does that, um, and we compare stolen property to pawn shop um, lists. Uh, we we track um, you know all of the crimes that happen and and we do see um, you know we it, it's funny we were talking about before the show started about people locking their cars and um, locking their doors we have uh, a lot of of theft that happens um, because people just don't lock their cars and they leave purses laptops whatever um, in plain view so if if um, if if we if more people would would do that we would we would stop some of that, um, you know that that's not going to stop someone who just busts the window out but a lot of times those types of crimes what we see is that there's a purse or a wallet or you know valuable property that can be pawned or sold sitting in plain view so that's why windows get smashed, um, you know I'm I'm going to wade into this next area which. Um, force and I debate this all the time about panhandling, um, but Bloomington is a very generous community and people, um, some panhandlers make pretty good money. And so, um, you know, but a lot of times what, what we see is it, it kind of gets back to addictions issues as is people will get enough money to go across the street to the liquor store and buy booze and get drunk. And so, you um, you know, I, I'm. I, panhandling is not illegal. My preference would be for people to donate to agencies because um, my my belief and experience has been when people get money, a lot of times it just feeds their addictions. And so, um, w- we keep saying the same things. There's a lot of addictions and mental health issues around all of the stuff that we're talking about. And if and there's just not enough services to provide to people to kind of break those cycles. So. Um, but yeah, a lot of the petty crime goes to um, really feeding people's addictions.
1: Sarah is questioning the on Twitter is questioning the increased police patrols downtown, and her words: "Why did the city choose criminalization as a first approach?" Well, I
3: would, I would, I would say we're not choosing criminalization. What we're doing is um, dealing with the illegal behaviors, and so. Um, It's like anything the police do, you know, we're there to enforce the laws and um, a lot of the activities downtown involved illegal acts. And so that's, that's what we were addressing.
1: Okay. Let's go next to the phones. We have Michael from Bloomington who has a question about camping downtown. Michael, go ahead.
7: Good afternoon. Back in the 19th century, counties used to operate poor farms where people would go out and live what's the thoughts on that?
3: Well, a lot of poor relief is responsibility of the county, so I think that's something you would have to address with um, county government.
1: Okay. Thank you, Michael. Jack from Bloomington has a question about new development downtown and police. Go ahead, Jack.
7: Hi. I was wondering, I hear people saying that these are old problems that have been here, and... um, we know that they're not new and there's just a sudden new arise of, of force downtown and I'm wondering if that has anything to do with the numerous condo developments that are going on in that area.
1: Have you seen any connection? Well,
3: I mean obviously there there are a lot more bedrooms downtown today than there were ten or fifteen years ago. And so Hello
1: Thank you, Jack. As, the chief's answering
3: so um you know that that's a resource issue where we um have to provide those those police services Um, a few years ago we added a downtown district to kind of address um, the increase in uh, people living downtown Um, so we we do have a specific uh, district that is just the downtown area i'm not sure that i would um, link all the problems we're having downtown with increased development um, but it certainly has brought more people downtown um, that are living there that just create more opportunities for for problems. 812
1: 855 811 We only have about ten minutes left in the program if you have a question for our panelists today. This is a comment from Jennifer on Twitter saying she was nearly raped in the Winslow Woods on the Winslow Woods jogging track and police found her when she called 911, and she said I personally feel a lot safer when I see more officers around. Of course I'm I'm wondering just from your perspective do you agree with the increased police presence downtown and I know there's been a lot of criticism just on our Facebook post about people saying that it has shifted people further just it's sort of shifted the problem out of the park and not necessarily giving people a place to say it's just diverting the problem elsewhere.
4: Um, that's a tough question, <laughs> put me on the spot here. But um, so, so I want to. I, I first want to say that the um, that I think the um, approach with the downtown resource officers, officers, the white shirts as we call them, has been incredibly effective. Um, it's it has uh, moved to build relationships with people experiencing homelessness and create a, a greater kind of connection between the police and to avoid uh, arrests. And I think that's a, a a great program, and I would love to see more officers in that role and continuing to, to do that. I think I think um, the chief and I both know, and we've talked about this about how how sometimes uh, when you uh, increase increase police presence in one place, it it makes the problem pop up in another place. And so, and we both talked about this about how that's not necessarily solving the problems, but just moving them. And he, and he knows that as well as I do. We've talked about this and. That means we need a broader approach. And honestly, you know, this is, this approach is, is, is uh, you know, we're talking about Bloomington, but this is a, in many ways a national problem that we're seeing showing up locally for us. Um, we have a lot of rural poverty around us, a lot of uh, decline in that. That's, we have an opioid crisis that's, uh, that's na- nationwide. Um, so there's, there's a lot of struggles that we're uh, feeling the brunt of as a community. And um, and we're being overwhelmed by it to some degree.
1: Greg, your, your business is sort of in the epicenter of this. What more do you think that the city needs to be doing? What would you like to see happen next in addition to the increased patrols and things like
5: that? I would just continue what they're doing now. Um, and uh, <coughs> the city council uh, in, in August has a lot of their budget hearings going on. So I would uh, urge people maybe to attend those uh, budget meetings because a lot of this has to do with money. Nothing's free the city uh, and the police department, uh, the police department especially, if they want to add patrols or add officers, they need uh, more funds. Um, So I think in the future, I think we shouldn't take a step back. We should keep going forward and not going forward to police our way of this problem, but address the problem as a community. Everybody work together between the mayor's office, the police department, what Beverly does, what Forrest does. There's not one entity that's going to solve this problem. That's when we started these discussions a couple years ago that probably people weren't even aware of. I know in the last month or so it really came up on the paper, the crisis on Kirkwood. But this has been going on for decades, for centuries, but it kind of came to a head several years ago. But we all decided that all the entities have to work together. You had one shelter doing one thing. You had another shelter doing another. You had Forrest doing his thing. You had the police department in the city, sometimes not, and the mayor's office not really working together. Not intentionally, but I think because of the problem has come to head, everybody realizes that we have to work together on this problem. And that's what I like to see. Um, we're not going to rest our way of this problem. We're not going to social service our way of this problem. The community can't turn its back on the downtown area or the surrounding community. So we just have to work together to solve this problem.
1: Joan is online she's from Bloomington and has a question Joan go ahead
5: hi
7: I live downtown
5: in
1: a real close in neighborhood on the west side and um, next
7: door to me is a house that's sometimes empty and sometimes people stay there and they let and the, the owner lets some homeless people stay there and that's been okay for several years but recently there's been a lot of people coming and going people that are just pulling up running in the house doing something like making a transaction or something and then leaving it's pretty scary to me and I don't know who to talk to about it I don't want to get in trouble with my neighbors I'm I'm intimidated by them but I'm scared and I don't know what to do about this situation which seems kind of creepy drug activity and it's gotten worse since the homeless people got kicked out of downtown
1: okay thank you
3: so if you call uh, my office um, ask for me and we'll talk and I'll, I'll give you some solutions or some suggestions for some solutions.
2: So Joan I just wanted to address one thing she said that nobody was kicked out of downtown that there is an increased police presence but the park is still open to everybody in Bloomington so anybody that wants to use the park and you know, have appropriate behavior in the park is free to use the park. So nobody was really kicked out of downtown.
5: Real, I'll second that. Also, there's people that come back on the street and the sidewalk, but they're pretty well behaved. The problem people were the ones that decided to leave. They decided to leave. the police did not tell them to leave. I think people re- really need to realize that. I think there's a, a perspective lost in there that. Uh, and you can come down Kirkwood, and there's still people panhandling in a very nice way. There's still people. Uh, on the streets rally and they're actually fairly well behaved. I've got personal relationships with some of these people. So I think I think the
4: challenge of course with that is that is that when you have an addiction, you by nature have to do something illegal. And and so that pushes you uh, out of places where that's enforced and that's that's the big challenge of again why we why we criminalize uh, addiction rather than deal with it as a public health issue.
1: So one of the questions we got earlier was what is being done in regards to mental health? Forrest, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Or
4: I mean, it's a huge challenge, and one of the things we're constrained by is is, uh, is changes in the law that have affected mental health and how we treat people experiencing mental health. Um, we uh, now, the law um, requires uh, very strict criteria for caring someone who's exp- uh, experiencing homelessness uh, through some kind of involuntary hospitalization, which is, in my opinion, often needed and required um, but because right now, if someone's not an immediate threat to themselves or others, generally that uh, prohibits uh, any kind of um, mandatory uh, care. And that leaves a lot of people who are severely mentally ill, and often a component of that severe mental illness is that they don't think they're ill. Um, so, so they're voluntarily choosing not to seek care because they don't think they're, they're ill, and that, that leaves people with schizophrenia, Um delusions, uh, bipolar, all kinds of uh, su- serious issues out on the street and incredibly vulnerable. Um, and, and that combined with the fact that um, we just don't simply have enough hospitalization and enough uh, mental health services for people who need it. And homelessness is not a um, historic problem. It's actually a created problem that's, that's grown over the last 30 to 35 years when we specifically changed policies in our country about how we um, deal with people with mental illness, how we deal with affordable housing, um, and I would add how how, um, we deal with addiction. So it's a pretty serious issue that we can make changes with, but we need to do that uh, nationally as well as locally.
1: We've gotten several questions about drugs and preventing the flow of drugs into the community. I'm going to go with this one, and then Chief Dekoff, maybe you can speak more broadly as well. Uh, But someone saying, I don't understand why it's so hard to catch the dealers in a small town. I know most addicts are dealing to support their habits, but someone is bringing the drugs into Bloomington. Um, So basically, how how do we stop the flow of this into our town? Well,
0: if
3: if I had the answer to that, I, I um, you know, it's it's there's all kinds of different thoughts on that. You know, obviously ours is from the enforcement angle, um, and it's there. Drugs are, are a big problem in this community. It's not something that's on the front page of the paper every day, but it's it's um, it's an issue that. Um, it, it's at the root of a lot of crime. It's a lot. Of, it's at the root of a lot of the the issues we're dealing with today. And so, um, uh, you know, when when we when we make arrests, um, you know, for the of, of dealers, it's it it shuts things down for a little bit. But then it just you know somebody else fills the void. And so, um, we have to reduce. I think the, the the desire for people to want to do drugs, which is treatment. Um, you know, force. I agreed with what force just said. You know, there's not enough money for for mental health care. There's not enough money for addictions, and it's it starts um, at the federal level, which trickles down to the state, and and all of those funds have been cut. And so, if if we dealt with um, the the people who are addicted to drugs, and and they were no longer addicted, then there would be no desire. There would be no need for the dealers. So. It's 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 a complicated cyclical thing that that um, I can't solve it. It's it's going to be the entire community and the entire state and the country that's gonna have to address it.
1: This whole issue is a very complicated one. We only have about a minute left, but Beverly, I wanna give you Mm -hmm. the floor. We've been focusing a lot about policing downtown, but there are a lot of other recommendations
2: in this report. If you can give us some of those. Thank you, there are um, a couple of things that have already been put into place. One is a jobs program, and, and our Parks and Recreation Department is working with Centerstone and has employed several people to do seasonal park maintenance, and they're working along Kirkwood and downtown, and in three or four other parks. Um, And so that not only employs people, but it also speaks to the sanitation issue and the cleanliness issue. Um, We are working with looking now at vendors for restrooms, for public restrooms, so that um, not only for people who are living on the streets, but for other other people that may need be in need of a public restroom, yeah, to have a restroom. Um, and, and so we're doing that. Some security, some education and training, um, trying to increase the funding. Someone said earlier, all of this costs money. And so uh, we are looking at that as well. Okay,
1: we're going to have to wrap there. Thank you all for being here today, and it was a great conversation. Thank you to Joe Wren for co-hosting today. For our producer, Angelo Bautista, engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Sarah Whitmire, this is Noon Edition.
6: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington.
0: Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity Company. Fiber internet, HD and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.